human beings of the world, it's time to enter the spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with John and Kendrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today <laughs> on the show, well, it's part two of our amazing conversation with Renee Witterstatter. Yeah, it was like we just talked to her and all of a sudden it's like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And it's like, man, we're going to go all night. She has so much to give and just so many stories and has experienced so much life and it's just hard not you know you don't want her to stop because you're like oh this is amazing she hung out with this person you know you're going to learn that one of her close friends is one of the greatest martial artists of all time yeah yeah one of the one of the greatest martial art filmmakers of all time cuz yeah i could watch his movies all day man yeah 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 and so i'm super excited because yeah Man, yeah. <laughs> you know, so Eva Inc. Artist Studios. Eva Inc. Frozen Artist Group. Artist Group. I'm sorry. That's okay. Want to say that again? Let's do yeah. that again. Do it again. Yeah. What is it? I, I, Eva, I don't have. Eva Inc. Artist Group. Okay. Uh, Renee owns and operates Eva Inc. Artist Group uh, as, long, as well as, Johnny, what's the other one? Uh, pros and Cons Celebrity Booking. There you go. Yeah. So if you run a show like we do. And you want some of the amazing guests we've had on? Renee's a great resource for that. Yeah, or if you want a convention, you want to get some great guests at your show, reach out to Renee, and she can hook you up with uh, anybody in her in her plethora of creators and celebrities that she has that she works with. Ooh, that's even better, dude. Let's cut my part out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's sit back and uh, listen to Renee finish up all the stuff she's been going through and everything that she offered us up. It was awesome. the transition from Marvel to uh, to Top. Yeah. That happened for me luckily before the the industry kind of exploded or imploded or blew up there uh, during that time when a lot of heads were rolling. Um, I um, I got the t- I, I had the idea around that time before I went to Tops yeah. of doing uh, this series called Spartan X that yeah, was with- inspired by um, Hong Kong cinema. Mostly, uh, I, I was taken to see a, a movie in Chinatown in New York by one of my friends uh, who I shared an office with, Marie Javens, and she and I were sharing an office down in what we called the Dungeon at Marvel. It was uh, this little complex of three offices on a separate floor, kind of in the middle of the building with no windows. Yeah. And people kind of forgot we were down there. So we, we called it the dungeon. We even had a pet rat down there at one time <laughs> named, uh, named uh, Cleo that no one knew about. We had her in a cage down there. No one knew or cared because no one came down there. And... <laughs> I've got pictures of me somewhere online holding that rat. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and it was uh, Kelly Cravisi was down there. Hildy Mesnick was down there. And so we were our own little thing. And uh, it was fun. But anyway, Marie was my office mate. And uh, one day she invited me to to go see a movie in uh, Chinatown. And it was a Jackie Chan movie. I think it was Operation Condor. And I was just thinking... When I was watching oh, this movie, movie, my gosh, 
he's like a superhero come to life. It would be yeah. so much fun to do a comic book series with some of that excitement in it. And so I, I, I formulated an idea, and my direct boss at the time was Mark Grunewald, who I just adored. He was just the spirit of that company, really. Yeah. yeah. Just a great guy. And was he would never say no. What he would do when you came to him with an idea, he would think about it. He'd say, well, that's interesting. How would you do that? And what would you do to make that happen? And how do you see this going? He would, he would like, try to really understand where you were coming from. And so I took the idea to him, and, and he did his same Mark thing. He's like, well, that's interesting. And he, and he was always excited about new ideas. He said, that's interesting. You know, we've been trying to get into the, the Asian market. That, that might be a good idea. You know, and if you could, like, get, you know, it's, it's like if you could, and I had, uh, had the idea of, of uh, Michael Golden doing the artwork, and actually Michael ended up uh, being a co-creator with me on the project. Yeah. So, I knew a friend who, uh, I had a friend, rather, who worked for Inside Kung Fu Magazine, Rick Myers, very, uh, you know, very good writer, novelist, um, film consultant. He was the uh, consultant for Kung Fu Panda, a lot of other things after that, but, you know, Rick's an amazing guy. And I emailed Rick, and I said, I called him, I can't remember, back then I was probably calling, and uh, I said, Rick, you know, I got this idea, I would like to develop it. Um, you know, I want to get together, uh, you know, I want to contact Jackie Chan's people, see if we can't maybe get him to have input, be a consultant. So Rick got me in touch with Jackie's agent, and I sent them a, a message and told them what my idea was. And I just thought, you know, it would be like some collaborative thing. But yeah. instead, I got this response that's like, oh, yeah, Jackie thinks it sounds great. When can you come to Hong Kong? Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> and I said, um, that's so cool. I don't know, let me ask my boss. So I talked to, to Greenwald, and he said, yeah, go for it. And within like a few days, within a week, I was on a plane to Hong Kong. Oh, that's amazing. And ended up hanging out there for several weeks. And it was a, the beginning of many trips out there. And, uh, you know, Jackie consulted, got a lot of ideas from him, um, got a lot of input on Hong Kong cinema from other people, developed the story. And, uh, you know, and I've been, I've been friends with Jackie ever since. But oh. that was just so much fun, hanging that out on so his movie fun. sets and seeing how he worked. and. Jackie's one of those guys that will just grab you and throw you into a scene. You don't have to be, you know, an actor. <laughs> she just takes you and says, okay, I need somebody on the plane. I need you to sit there, Renee, and I need you to, like, drink this cup of coffee and just act natural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when Jackie asks you to do something, you do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. And there's wanna... one movie out there called Crime Story where there is such That's a, a scene. One. There is a scene on a plane. Jackie's mm -hmm. sitting there talking to one <laughs> of the other actors. And throughout the whole scene, I am sitting between them a few aisles behind them, drinking coffee and reading my newspaper. Oh, my God. I'm going to watch that, Renee. I know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't miss me. I'm wearing a black and white checkered dress. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm right there. Oh, and, that is uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, but that was the first of, of many such instances with Jackie. Did you know? He's a great guy. Did you know Mark Rolston did the voiceover, the dubs for Jackie Chan on his old movies from the seventies and early eighties? I did not know that. Yeah, he talks about it on the interview, <laughs> <laughs> and then when he got a chance to work with them side by side on some scene, and he told him, he goes, "I Rush did hour. your voice," and, and Jackie Chan's like, "You did my voice." <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I'll have to talk to Mark about that. Yeah, you definitely should, because you guys got some stories to exchange now. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Now, Jackie's one of my favorite people in the world. He's, uh, uh, you know, he had a very rough uh, childhood. You know, oh, really? He, uh, oh, yeah. You know, he um, his parents were very, very poor. And um, when he was very young, they took him to, I think he was about eight years old, they took him to a Peking opera school and pretty much had to sign a piece of paper 
and say, hey, if your son dies while he's here, it's nobody's fault. So they wow. pretty much just wow. gave him to the school. And Samo Hung went to the, was his brother there, so was Yun Biao, other well-known martial artists, movie actors, great people, too. And, um, you know, he grew up there, but it was very grueling. They were taught acrobatics and mime and, and, and fighting. And, um, but, you know, they, it was not, it was a very draconian existence. They, they didn't have much. They were, you know, working from sun up to sundown and, wow. and being uh, probably whipped and beaten. I mean, there's, Ugh. there's all kinds of stories about that. And Jackie's parents actually, during that time, moved to Australia and left him in oh, Hong Jesus. Kong. And I think Jackie wow. said he only saw his mother once. In ten years from oh, the time so he was sad. eight until the time he was eighteen, and you know when he got older, of course he was one of the people that they were trying to position as being the next Bruce Lee after after Bruce Lee died. Right, and he did some you know movies where he tried to be serious like that. But then Jackie, much to his credit, realized that wasn't really the path he wanted to take, and he developed. Kung Fu comedy. He was the first guy to really infuse comedy like that into, and the abilities he had, you know, it was like the perfect storm into, you know, this Kung Fu comedy that he developed. And uh, then later he kept reinventing himself with with bringing, uh, you know, Chinese history into it and, and, you know, the pageantry of of the period movies. And, And then he you know, then re- redid it again into becoming the you know the big action star that he became. Yeah. But it's still being copied to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have you know Kung I have nothing admiration for for Jackie and uh, you know being continuing to be relevant and reinventing himself and and being so um, influential to to different people that are coming up. But I asked him one time, uh, you know, because I met his dad, you know, years later, he uh, yeah. would, bought his dad, was bringing his dad to the movie set. So, you know, Papa Chan was was always, you know, around there before he passed away. And I asked him one time, you know, I, I said, do you have, you know, do you not have any animosity towards your parents, you know, for your childhood? And he he, you know, said, no, I don't. You know, he said, um, they made the decisions they had to make at the time, and if they had not done what they did, then I would have never become who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he really took something that could have been tragic, and he turned it into something amazing. Yeah. And Jackie, I'm sure you, if you've seen any Jackie Chan movies, I'm sure you can see too that he was, you know, very much influenced by, um, you know, Buster Keaton's movies. Yeah. Very big fan of Buster Keaton, and, and yeah. that's something else that he and I had in have in common. That his physical we comedy is tremendous. A lot about you know his his love of silent movies. I, I always think when I think of Buster Keaton, I just think of the famous scene of him standing perfectly still in that front of the house, just falling, and he's like perfect right into the window. Oh, yeah. And it's just Absolutely. like, oh, the 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 cojones on him to do that scene is like I couldn't even imagine because one step to the left or to the right or forward or back, he's dead. He would have been dead. He would have been drilled into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Just just amazing. That he could stand. Could you do that? Could you stand still? I don't think I could. The of the house is falling on you. I could not do that. <laughs> I don't think I could. No. But you know, Jackie recreated that scene in one of his movies. Oh, really? Yeah, which you, you, which yeah, one? Yes. Yeah, um, oh, Project A. He uh, he recreated that scene in Project A. Wonderful oh, I'm going to check Project it out. I, I love Jackie Chan. I I think I've seen. I've had to have seen at least ninety eight percent of them. Those, if if I haven't seen it, then it's like one or one movie or two movies off. You know what I mean? Oh gosh, yeah, I, I love that guy. I, I never get tired of, of watching him, and and knowing how how good a person he is in real life makes me love him even more. But even if I didn't know him, his movies are so 
endearing and so yeah. fun. I think, you know, I think you if can't I met watch somebody, a Jackie Chan movie and not have fun. Yeah, and have a big. If I think if I met somebody who says they 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 just don't like Jackie Chan movies, I'd be like, I don't know if I can like you. <laughs> we can't. We can't be highly suspect. <laughs> I wrote a book about Jackie's movies. You know. Oh, you did? It, did it come yeah. out through uh, Ever, through Eva Inc. Publishing? No, no, it came out from Warner Books. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Is called it? it's called um, Dying for Action: The Life and Films of Jackie Chan. Perfect title. <laughs> yeah, it came out from Warner Books, and actually, we're we're planning on doing the updated version of it now, just because. Now, since the publication of the book, so many more movies have come out, and yeah, and I do want to to update it. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to write, and I actually worked with Jackie. Jackie actually worked with me on the book and gave me oh, that's awesome. to a lot of photos that had never been published before, and a lot of behind the scenes stories for each movie. Well, when you do the but second yeah, one, you you can still find it. It's out there. I will. I will. When, when you yeah, it's get, on Amazon, Kindle and stuff. Oh, oh, perfect. Oh, we were talking. Oh, gosh, I so got off track there. Jeez. No, this is uh, great. Yeah, we, so I had <laughs> the idea of doing the comic book uh, while I was still at Marvel. Yeah. And uh, But we did not pursue it while I was at Marvel. Uh, at the same time, I was also reading a little book that some people may know about. It was called Jurassic Park. It didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> Just um, a little no thing. No one really has heard of it. <laughs> But I was reading that book at the time, and I was thinking, oh, this book's amazing. I, I really love this book. Let's do a comic book based on this book, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Grunewald was encouraging us to come up with some ideas like that. So yeah. I took it to, uh, uh, you know, the powers that be. I told Mark about it. Mark's like, I don't know. Go, you know, talk to the boss about it. And I, and I went and, um, you know, pitched the idea of getting the rights to Jurassic Park. <laughs> But at the time, I was told by somebody in charge that we really didn't need to do Jurassic Park because we already had Devil Dinosaur, and oh if we were going to do a dinosaur book, <laughs> it should be about dinosaurs that we already owned, instead of going out and buying the license. So I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> You know, talk about things happening when they're supposed to happen. Yeah. Jim, Jim Salakrup had already left Marvel and gone to Tops, and he was the editor-in-chief over at Tops. Yeah. And I was not unhappy at Marvel. I was very, very happy at Marvel. But it had been bought by Ron Perlman, and things were changing. It wasn't the same as it used to be. There were new people coming in. Things were not as solid, I think, as they used to be, we were feeling. Yeah. So, uh, Cup called me and he's like, Hey, you know, would you like to come over to tops and be an editor? And I'll pay you like three times what Marvel's paying you. Huh. And Done. you yeah. You know, it's not all about the money, but when you live in New York, you know, you got to like take money yeah, into consideration. Yeah. Take it serious. Yeah. You know, when I first started out and as an assistant editor, uh, in New York, assistant editors were making somewhere between eighteen and twenty three thousand a year. You know, the cheapest rent you could find at the time Jeez. in Manhattan was probably around somewhere, if you were lucky, between six hundred to a thousand dollars. And I'm talking like cheap. Yeah. And yeah. So that meant you were spending most of your money on rent. And right. then you were doing as much freelance as you could so that you could afford to eat. Ugh. So when I was an assistant editor at Marvel, I was a, an assistant editor by day, but I was a colorist by night. Right. And a, and, a, and writing uh, letter columns by night, which paid yeah. about 30 bucks for every letter column that you wrote. And you'd make about $25, $23 a page for every page of coloring you did. So... I oftentimes Man. would come to work with maybe two or three hours sleep because you were just working all day and then going just home and coloring all night yeah. just to make things, uh, you know, to, to try to, to eat something other than ramen noodles. <laughs> uh, but when I was an editor, of course, I was making better. 
And then Jim calls me and offers that. And I was like, well, well Jim, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy at Marvel. I, I love working with Greenwald. And, you know, I've got a lot of books I really like. And Yeah. But I went to Greenwald, and I told him about it. I said, you know, Salad Krupp's offered me this job, and I, I don't really know what to do. And he said he was very, very direct, as he always was. And And he said, look, he said, things are really changing around here. And, you know, I, I, he said, I have a feeling that things are going to be downsized. And yeah. I just don't think I can save everybody. That's a good boss right said, there. If, if he said, if you have an opportunity to go somewhere where you have a job and you're going to be safe, consider taking it. Yeah, that's a good boss. Yeah, that's giving real advice. That's, great, great that's real boss. advice. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't have to tell me that. No. You know, no, I'm he sure could have. I'm sure he wasn't supposed to tell me that. Right. But he did because he was a very caring person. So I took the job and I, and I went over there. And about three months later, heads started to roll. And that's when they Ugh. started firing a lot of people at Marvel and a lot of my contemporaries and a lot of people that were on the same level uh, job wise as myself. And I know it broke Mark's heart. I know that was like the hardest thing he had to endure. And, you know, during that time, I got something in the mail from him. And it was a lot of, and he did this to several other people, I found out too. People like Glenn Hurdling, who was also an assistant editor there who left and moved on to another job. But he sent us off photos and other things um, relating to us. He put together a packet for each of us and sent it to us of things that he had collected over the years that reminded him of us. Oh, that's sweet. And sent it that's to cool. us. That's cool. And a few months later, Mark died. Oh, wow. And I, I really, you know, he had pre-existing heart problems. We didn't know that at the time. I, I think his, I know his wife did, but it was not something that we knew about. And he died very suddenly in, in his sleep. And I really, I always think, I look back on that time and think, you know, it just must have broken his heart to see this company he loved go through those kind of changes and have to, you know, uh, say goodbye to to people that loved the company too and that were friends of his. Because we all, you know, 90% of the people that worked there, we all really liked each other. Yeah, we... When you yeah. think of the Marvel camaraderie from that time, it yeah. wasn't made up. It wasn't fake. We all really loved our jobs, and we all really liked the people we were working with. And I think that really came through in uh, in a lot of the books, too, because, you know, as an editor, you were able to pick writers that you liked and artists that you liked. And a lot of times you didn't just like them, um, you know, like them just because of their art, you know, you like them as people too, because we would all hang out together. Yeah. Uh, in yeah, a lot it, of cases. Well, like you said, he had a real family type atmosphere. It did. It did. It was, it was my surrogate family and I was very close to a lot of those people and I still am to this day. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I lived at it during the time when I could be part of that, when I could be part of that Marvel experience the way it was then because I don't think it exists anymore. I know people that work at Marvel in D.C. now also love their jobs, but I think that point in time that we had, that little bubble that we had, yeah, was very unique. It's past. And I'm very grateful that I was a part of it. You know, we, we kind of had a great little family over at Tops as well, because I had part of my Marvel family with me there. Jim Salakrup was was and is to this day still one of my very good friends. And uh, he let me have free reign on a lot of books. He let me uh, do my book, my Spartanx book with Michael Golden and, and Jackie That's Chan. Awesome. And, yeah. and Rick Myers consulted on that, too. He let me do my Jurassic... He, he got the Jurassic Park license and let me do my Jurassic Park book. Which is great. Yeah, you know, And he, he put me in charge of Xena and Hercules, and I had so much fun working on those books, too. You know, those were... Fun properties. a lot of fun, and I was able yeah. to bring in Trina Robbins and other people to work on those books. Did you get a talk with, like, Lucy Lawless and Kevin Sorbo? 
during those oh, yeah. times? One time I went down to Australia and got to hang out on the sets down there. I mean, New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, went down there and got to hang out on the sets with those guys. And, uh, um, and uh, yeah, because I was the editor of the comic book, I went yeah. down there and for a few weeks. And uh, that's funny now because uh, I routinely see Kevin Sorbo at shows now. I, I know he doesn't remember me ever being in in uh, New Zealand because I was there so briefly, and I'm just a right. blip on their memory. But I was like, oh, hey, Kevin. He's probably like, who's this crazy <laughs> lady? <laughs> We're usually in the green room together. And, yeah. And uh, he remembers the comic book, of course, and I, I don't for a moment think he remembers me, but... It was it was a lot of fun to uh, to work That's on that cool. book, and he and I have had a lot of conversations about not the comic book or Hercules or Zena, but we've had a lot of conversations about fishing because he likes to fish. So, and, oh, that's and cool. I do too. Yeah, I love fishing. So, yeah. So usually when I see uh, see Kevin, it's it's more about fishing. What kind of fishing <laughs> do you like to do? Oh, I like to do all kinds of fishing. Uh, mostly the the type where I actually catch something. <laughs> but, <laughs> I like to catch. I don't like to fish. I like to catch. If you get something on the other end of the hook, I'm happy. But, well, we... uh, I, mostly I do catch and release these days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love largemouth bass. I do a lot of uh, largemouth bass fishing down in the I Florida to... when I go down there. And when I'm in New York, actually Arthur Sudam and I, he's another fisherman. He and I actually go and do a lot of fishing in Central Park. Oh, that's cool! And uh, yeah, we do a, we do catch and release there, and it's you know yeah. take it out, take a photo, let it go. And uh, we did a store appearance down in Costa Rica, and whenever we go to when we went down there, we got to do some uh, deep sea fishing. Yeah, and um, you know Arthur nice. caught a rooster fish, which was like um that's uh, cool. the, how, it's like having a dead cow on the end of the hook yeah yeah it's probably like it's <laughs> probably very similar to catching halibut yeah you know it's just like dead weight yep yeah it took him like an hour to get that thing in the boat like, <laughs> how how like, much was he oh, beaming God, though he was so <laughs> tired that he was not gonna give up man <laughs> and it was worth it because now we had a great picture of arthur with a rooster fish no, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, we grew up here. I grew up in Bremerton, Washington, which is a small town, but it's on a peninsula, so it's very much like growing up on an island. And my wow. dad was my dad was from Southern California, and he retired here uh, or in Bremerton out of the Navy in like 1976. And mm-hmm. he was a hunter fishing guy. That's all we did. So we had seafood at least twice a week, and we were fishing all the time. So we we're constantly oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, mostly salmon. You know, some halibut. Oh, there's nothing like you know. fresh salmon. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. fresh salmon is the best. Salmon. Yep. A lot of clamming, yeah. a lot of crabbing, uh, squidding, all of that. We, Yeah, I love fishing. It's so fun. It's so well, relaxing. I grew, up, yeah. I grew up in a family of hunters. My dad was a big deer hunter. My brothers are, too. But my yeah. dad was also a fisherman, so I would always... I wasn't so into the hunting other than eating the deer meat, which I yeah. did all the time. But I um, and squirrel. We ate a lot of squirrel. Squirrel Is it and good? dumplings. I've never had um, squirrel. I, I kind of want to try it. Because <laughs> well, I've just heard like that's really good. Dark meat chicken. It is very much like dark meat chicken. Oh, there you go. Uh, um, you know, my and it it's uh, it it's it tastes like I I don't know how to describe it. It really does taste like dark meat chicken. Only there's less meat on the bones, and you have yeah. to have a lot of squirrel to fill yourself up. But <laughs> but my dad would take me fishing all the time, so I, I did That's get awesome. my love of fishing from from him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, that, and we did a lot of fish fries too. And if I if I had a place to have a fish fry when I was on the road at these conventions, then I I wouldn't probably wouldn't do catch and release. But now I do it, you know, more just yeah. for fun than anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm, a, I'm... Yeah, I'm a lot of the same way. I don't go as much as I used to go, and then when I do, I tend to get near the hatcheries, and then I don't. I, I, I want the population to grow, you know. Yeah. So it's like, sure. okay, let's get them back out there because I want to be able to take my kid fishing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? 100%. So, so out of all this, we've gotten through a ton of career, but then you finally decided to say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. And 
Eva Inc. Publishing and or Eva Inc. Artist Group was born. Right. And how is that going? You've been how long has it been in how long have you been running that? And you 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 represent a lot of artists, uh, both in comic books and movies and uh, sound as well, right? Like composers. Oh yeah, let me um uh let's see where to start with that. Yeah, I no. was at Tops. I was at Tops for about five years, and then once again, comic books went through this period where all hell broke loose. Yeah, and, and uh, things weren't going really well with sales and. And this whole speculator market really caused a lot of comic shops to Ugh. close down. And um, I got out of, you know, I was, uh, you know, we were laid off at that time. So yeah. uh, I was out of a job. I had just had a skiing accident. Well, see, I, I was, Uh-oh. after after I was no longer at Tops, I was, I went on the skiing accident, like, uh, very shortly after that. And uh, I was up in Canada in, at uh, Lake Louise, and I was getting off a lift. And this girl that was on the lift with with me had never been skiing before and freaked out when it was time to get off and tripped me. And I don't blame her. I mean, she was new. And tripped me, and I fell down the ski slope. And I'm laying there thinking, you know, my leg is really not supposed to go in that direction. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And I was just very calmly thinking, yeah, that really doesn't look right. Were you in shock? uh, Yeah, it it tore my ACL and severed my kneecap. And I had to, uh, luckily I was still under health insurance from Tops at the time for another six months. And um, I had to get back to New York on, on crutches and go through surgery. And I had a really good sports surgeon who was the same sports surgeon that does all the injuries for the Jets. And he really put my knee back together. I've not had any problems with it since. And I'm a ballroom dancer, and I, I, I dance all the time. And it, oh, it never wow. gives me any problems. So I'm extremely grateful to him. Yeah, I'm going to knock but, on wood for you. Yeah, thanks. It's been a long <laughs> time now. Um, yeah, knock on wood. Uh, so um, so I'm, I'm sitting in my apartment in New York on crutches. And I'm, uh, I've am i started my own publishing company at that point called Eve Inc. Publishing, and I'm, I'm publishing the Zorro comic books for the new Zorro movie oh, cool. at that time and, and packaging them through, uh, through Image. And I'm doing some other things and, right. uh, you know, just starting my own stuff. Yeah. And um, I get a phone call from this guy in California named Joel Goss, who is friends at the time with Buster Keaton's widow, Eleanor Keaton. Oh, wow. And this just kind of shows you somehow how things come together. If you, He calls me up and he goes, and I would met him through some other mutual friend, and he goes, he goes, Renee, you're, you're, you know Jackie Chan, right? And I say, yeah, I know Jackie. And he goes, well, you know, I'm really good friends with Eleanor Keaton. And she uh, has seen Jackie's movies. And can tell that he is oh, very is influenced so cool. by Buster's work. Yeah. And she would really like to meet Jackie or talk to him. And I said, well, you know, I think Jackie would love that. He, he, he's filming a movie out in California right now. He's filming Rush Hour. Uh, let, me, <laughs> uh, let me call him up and see what he says. So, of course, Jackie thought it was a great idea. So, within a day, <laughs> I'm on another plane on crutches, headed out to California to the set of Rush Hour so I can uh, arrange to introduce Jackie to uh, to Eleanor. And uh, I'll never forget, like, the first day I got to set and uh, Jackie's filming some scene where he has to jump off a wall, uh, jumping off of something, doing something like he's always doing. Yeah. And uh, I come hobbling onto set on my crutches <laughs> with my cast on. And he comes up to me, he goes, what happened to you? And I'm like, well, I did want to tell you before I got here, but I had a skiing accident. You know, I'm going to have to go through like three to six months of therapy. And I told him all about it. And he just looked at me and shook his head and goes, yeah. And they think what I do is dangerous. <laughs> 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 because you're crazy. 
<laughs> Jackie Chan called me crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but the, the interesting, the other interesting thing about that trip, though, uh, was at the time that I got this call from Joel, I had been applying to NYU Film School because I had always been interested in storytelling, always interested in film. So I thought, well, what's the next move for me? I should learn something about making movies. Why not? And uh, But when I went out to L.A. for this trip, uh, and I was on the set of Rush Hour, I actually met a lot of people that worked in the film industry. And they were uh, saying to me, well, you know, you could go to film school, or you could come out here and just start working in movies and learn on the job. You know, just come out here, start getting PA jobs, you know, start yeah. you know, getting whatever jobs you can. And through the connections I made on that movie set during that week, I actually started getting jobs working on movies and working wow. in commercials and music videos. One of my uh, <laughs> friends I met was uh, Jerry Marshall, who was the video assist guy on the movie. And his father was um, Noel Marshall, who was the producer of The Exorcist. Oh, cool. And his brother, John Marshall, ran a production company called Villains Production. It's It's not around anymore, but John was very much into doing um, high-end commercials and music videos. And, uh, you know, I started working with all these people. And next thing you know, I've, I've got five years of movie production under my belt at that point, working on everything, uh, you know, music videos for Madonna and Seal and Usher and, and um, you know, commercials with Jack Palance and... Uh, Movies, uh, you know, all kinds of movies. I, I worked on uh, Red Dragon with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And, uh, I loved working with Anthony Hopkins. Ray Fiennes. Was, uh, you know, such a sweet guy. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Um, I, I I worked with a lot of really talented people. I, I truly so cool. loved Anthony Hopkins, though. He's yeah. probably one of my favorite stories from that time because we worked um, on Red Dragon. And I was in charge on that film of um, getting first team to set, getting them ready, uh, getting them to set. And uh, the first day um, uh, Mr. Hopkins came to set, he went up and introduced himself to all the crew, and he would ask people their names. And we're talking like 75 to 100 people on any given day, sometimes more. And he asked everybody their names, and he really made an effort, and I think he, he might have even been successful, of never forgetting anyone's name. That's cool. You know, he was absolutely amazing. The effort and means everything. He came, he came to the trailer uh, the first day, and he goes, you know, Renee, um, I have a favor to ask you. And I said, yeah, sure, what is that? And he goes, well, he goes, you know, I get a lot of gift baskets from people. And a lot of times there'll be alcohol in the gift baskets and I want you to do me a favor. And I said, yeah, sure. What? And he goes, before I come to work every day, I want you to take all the alcohol out and just get rid of it. And I said, okay, sure. And he, and he said, do you, do you know why? And I said, no, it doesn't matter why, if that's what you want me to do. Um, he said, well, I'll tell you why. He said, because if you do not, and the alcohol is still in there when I come to work. I will end up in Mexico, and there will be no film shoot, and we're all going to get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, he was—he was—he uh, was a is a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, he's in AA, and um, you know, very. But there's something he didn't have to tell me, and he certainly didn't have to have a sense of humor about it. But he is a, a very engaging, very genuine, very sweet man, and I. I'm very happy that I got a chance to to work with him. That's cool. And uh, actually, I ended up working on the next Rush Hour movie, too. I ended up working on Rush Hour 2 with with Jackie and and Chris Tucker. And, you know, of course, since I already knew Jackie, that was very easy. We already had a working relationship. And he, uh, I'll tell you one funny story about that before I move on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Jackie would always get to set. 
as soon as the director called him, uh, Brett Ratner was the director on that one, and Jackie would always get to set as soon as Brett said, hey, come to set. It's like he was out the door. But Chris, not so much. Chris, if there was a Lakers game on or something else going on, he would want to wait until, you know, he could see what was going on with the game. So sometimes he was not as quick getting to set. And Jackie was like, oh, like I'm set waiting, like, ah. We get there like ready to go. Yeah. And then he'd have to wait. So one day he said to me, and I don't think Chris knows this. I don't know if Jackie ever told him, so I probably shouldn't be telling the story, but I've already started, so I will. And then I'll decide later <laughs> if I'm going to let you keep it. Um, he, uh, he said, uh, he said, Renee, here's what we're going to do. As soon as the director calls for us to walk, I want you to knock on my door and tell me, but I'm going to stay in my trailer. And I want you to stake out Chris's door. And when Chris starts to walk, and then you can come and knock on my door. And I'm going to run out of my trailer, and I'll still be on set before Chris. (laughs) 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 So that's what we did, and it worked great. As soon as it was time to walk, I'd be going, okay, Jackie, Brett just called for you guys to walk. He goes, okay, just let me know when Chris is walking. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, whenever it was that Chris was ready to walk, no matter how long or short it was, I'd go knock on Jackie's door, he'd bolt out of his trailer, run around the back way where Chris couldn't see him, run on set, sit in his chair, cross his legs, put his hand on his, you know, his chin in his hand. And then when Chris would, like, walk on set, Jackie would go, Chris, what took you so long? <laughs> what are you it was doing? So funny! It was just so funny working with those guys. It was just so. That's great. a hoot. That's a hoot. Yeah. Oh, oh, we had so much fun. But okay, so how did it start? How did it, how did Eva Ink Artist Group start? How did uh, Posing Con Celebrity Booking start? Yeah. Okay, so you can see all my worlds coming together now. Yeah. I've worked in like comic books and newspapers and film and like, so all these things, um, I like to think that they're all somehow related because it's all about storytelling and it's all about creating entertainment or if, you know, in some form, because even when I was a journalist, I like doing feature articles, which is about entertainment. So to me, it was all about creating these different forms of entertainment. And, um, One day I got a call from, I was between movies at that time. I forget which one I'd just done. Uh, Maybe Red Dragon, I can't remember. But I got a call from Bob Burton. And Bob, you know, Bob created the Flaming Carrot. uh, You know, really funny guy. But he was was going to uh, the San Diego Comic Con. And a lot of times when he came to L.A., he would he would want to stay on my uh, houseboat. I had a houseboat out at Marina Del Rey, and he would uh, need a place to stay, and I would let him stay on the houseboat because nobody was on it. And he liked that because he had other friends out there in that area, and he could write, and it was relaxing. And I only used it for fishing on, you know, when I went out there to go fishing. But So anyway, Bob called me, and sort of to reciprocate, or, you know, just because he's a good friend, he said, well, why, you know, I'm going to be at San Diego. If you want to come out, you can come and you can stay in our hotel room. We've got a suite and there's plenty of room. And I had not been to San Diego probably in five or six years. You know, I was just completely out of comics at that time, even though I was still publishing some art books through my publishing company every now and then. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, sure, that'd be fine. So I went out there on the train and uh, I'm out there at the show. And I started seeing a lot of my old friends from comic books. And uh, one of the part people that I met there who I did not know until that time was Arthur Sedam, who uh, had done Mudwalks and Charlie Flytrap and Death Dealer. And uh, he's going, you know, I could use an agent. If you, uh, you know, would you think about being my agent? Would you think about, you know booking me for shows and, and, uh, you know, getting me work and things. And I was going, huh, you know, I never thought about it, but it's not too far off from what I'm already doing. 
uh, you know, it's just another job in the entertainment industry. And, and then a few of my other friends asked me the same thing, people that I saw over the weekend. So I said, hey, why not? So I started Eva Inc. Artist Group and brought all these guys in and started pitching them for conventions and, and shopping them to different publishers and getting work for them. And, uh, you know, before I knew it, that really took off. Yeah, everybody was, was super busy. We were doing tons of shows. I started getting inquiries from more artists. You know, and then sometimes artists would come and I would find after a year or two that it wasn't really a good fit and they would go by the wayside, but then somebody else would come in. And so that really grew. And, and Arthur in particular got Marvel Zombies and a lot of other hot properties and he, um, he really took off with the whole zombie thing. Um, and you know, and then uh, you know, Michael Golden, my old friend, who I always used to work with as a as an editor, wanted me to start repping him, and uh, you know, and that really took off. And that's cool. You know, so it's really developed a lot over the years. And then, uh, oh, I'd say maybe six years ago, I uh, started adding media guests, actors, and voice actors, and animation talent. And, I, and that, too, seemed like a natural progression because I already had my foot in the film world and already knew a lot of people from that world. You know, another one of my clients is Cynthia Rothrock. I'm sure if you know uh, oh, yeah. martial she's like, arts movies, yep. you know the queen of martial she's, arts movies. She's amazing. amazing she's Cynthia amazing. Rothrock. Yeah, amazing. She's a sweetheart. And, um, you know, I rep her for shows as well. So, you know, it's just like all the world sort of came together. That's cool. And that's, that's the cool. way I look at it now. It's like a lot of things I love have all converged. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate. I, I love my life. I love every aspect of every job I've had. That's, that's and awesome. I feel like I'm doing something now where so many of those jobs have come together and I get to work with so many amazing people. And, that's so uh, nice. You know, I, I, I'm very grateful for that. You... Through Eva Inc. Publishing, you released a book from Nick Carty, The Art of War. Is The Art of War? The Artist at War. The Artist at War, yeah. Yeah. Is that still available? Is is there a way for people to order that through you, or is that out of print right now? No, it's still available. Um, You can order it. Through um, through me at uh, evainkpublishing dot com. You can always order it there. Yeah. Uh, I published it, it. It was published here in the states, but then we then also I licensed it to Titan Books in the UK. Yeah. And Titan Books actually oh, Titan. did a big coffee table version of it. Yeah, they're known um, for that. Yeah. Yeah, mine that I published in the states. Is a smart through Eva Inc. Publishing is the same size as his actual sketchbook. Yeah, that's why I was wondering because when I looked online, the ones I found not, we're friends with the, all the guys over there at Titan. Sure, they're great fact, guys. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Sumner, the executive VP over there for merchandise, comes on our show. He's we have a sub show that we do with him, ah. and because he's amazing. If you ever had a chance to talk with him, he's he's got. He's got stories for days. So much, oh, yeah. so yeah, many stories. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he even had his own TV show on Turner Classic Movies in the UK, where he introduced movies and gave his thoughts about the movie in between the uh, the segments. Oh, and that's wonderful. Yeah, and cool. then he was a writer. Me. I'd love to meet him. Yeah, we should hook you guys up because he's he's yeah, he's a wonderful man. Yeah. But I saw that they yeah, had it. Yeah, Titan did a great job on the coffee table book. And, yeah. Uh, to date, that is one of my, well, I love every book I'm working on at any given time, but that sure. book is very special to me because I, I actually met Nick Hardy. What year did I meet Nick? Probably 2010, 2011. And I met him because I was at the Baltimore Comic Con, and that's back when they still had the Harvey Awards. And Nick was sitting at my table. They... And I had not met him to that at, up until that point, and he was getting an award that night. And uh, he was so over the moon about getting the award, which was so well-deserved. He, you know, he was the artist on Aquaman and uh, Bat Lash and, and so many great books at D.C., and he was yeah. somehow style there for probably 30 years. I don't know how long. But he was such a consummate cover designer. 
but he was also a great interior storyteller. But, I mean, every cover that Nick Carney did had all the elements of what a good cover had. Each cover told a story. You know, each cover drew you into that comic book. And he was a master of what he did. So any award Nick ever got was well-deserved, and he should have gotten a lot more. Yeah. So the way he and I met was after the awards, we were sitting at that dinner table, but after the awards, he was sitting in the lobby, sitting in a leather a chair, and drinking something. I'd like to think it was scotch on the rocks. I'm not sure, but it was something like that. And I was drinking red wine. And before you knew it, we sat there, and it was 3 or 4 in the morning, and we had been talking <laughs> for like awesome. 4 or 5 hours. And... <laughs> And his stories were amazing, and I was having such a good time that I just, you know, before you knew it, the night was over. And, and uh, you know, I had to go home and uh, go back to my room and go to sleep before I turned into a pumpkin. But it was it was a magical night, and he and I became great friends. And we talked on the phone all the time after that. And uh, Michael, and Go- Michael Golden and I were going through Sarasota, Florida, where Nick lived. And we said, oh, my gosh, we've got to call Nick. We've got to go over there and see Nick. And so we went by his house, and we went out to lunch. And he was so typical of Nick. He tried to pay for lunch. And we're like, no, you're not going to pay for lunch. He's like, no, no, you've got to let me pay for lunch because I know these people here. And if I don't pay for lunch, it would be really embarrassing. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> It's like, Nick, no, you can't pay for lunch. So we're fighting over the ticket. But uh, I think he did end up paying for lunch. But uh, I I think I tried to give him the money back later. Um, But we were at his house, and he's showing me all this artwork. And he brings out this little binder. It was like a little four-by-five binder. He said, hey, I don't think you've ever seen these. Let me show you these. And he takes out this binder and starts showing me all these beautiful little sketches. I'm going, Nick, what are these? He goes, well, these are all the sketches that I did when I was in World War II, and I was stationed in Belgium and Germany and and all those places. You know, he said um, it was so stressful, you know, and you'd watch your friends die every day. And he said the way I would take my mind off of it is I had this little secrets tin that I made into my watercolor palette. And I had this little notebook that I kept in my pocket. And every day, at some point, I would take it out and I would sketch something. And that's what would take my mind off of all the horrible things that were going on. Yeah. And I said, Nick, that is these are just utterly amazing. And I got the idea right then. I said, Nick, we've got to do a book on this. This, this is a piece of history. Yeah. And he, got, he said, well, do you really think anybody would want to read it? <laughs> and I said, Nick, I want to read it. <laughs> if I want to read it, then other people are going to read it. And you've got to keep in mind, going back to the beginning of our interview, that I was this little girl that was very into history, that sat around making slideshows about World War II. So for me to suddenly oh, find this connection back to something else that I was very interested in, that I was, like, excited about it. And I said, yeah, Nick, we've got to do this. So I convinced him to do it, and he gave me behind-the-scenes stories to go with the sketches. He, like, uh, you know, helped me with it, and um, I still love his stories, you know, about him. Like, he actually got his draft notice on April Fool's Day. And he was like, no, I really didn't think it was very funny. <laughs> but, you know, he would tell these stories about, you know, oh, you know, if you ever went to, you know, Belgium after the war and you saw these sides of buildings taken off, he goes, he goes, keep in mind that when I joined the army, they put me in as an assistant tank driver. I didn't even know how to drive a car. Oh my so God. when you see those like sides of buildings taken off, that was actually my work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was just like he was just always so funny. Um, but yeah, I just I love that book. To this day, it's still one of my favorite books. And That's Nick, so nice. Are you guys still there? Yep. Okay, good. Everything yeah, yeah. was quiet for a minute. No, no. Um, 
Yeah, so Nick, um, Nick was so happy when that book came out. And he was so happy about the attention that it received. And we did panels at many comic books where we talked just about that book and, and the cra- there were lo- you know crowds of people. And it really was uh, very special to him. And, and by virtue of that, in so many ways, it was very special to me. Nick was, Nick was a gentleman. He was an amazing, funny, warm, gregarious gentleman. And I, I miss him every day. In fact, when he passed away, I was uh, in Russia, in Moscow, at a show, and his uh, one of his good friends, uh, Todd DeZago, um, was at the hospital with him. And his he was very sharp until the very end. He the last two weeks of his life, he went downhill, got pneumonia, went into yeah. the hospital. I was in Russia, and Todd called me on the phone. And said, Nick really wants to talk to you, but he can't really talk right now. He can't talk anymore. But maybe oh. if I put the phone up to his ear, you can talk to him. Yeah. So I did and, you know, told him how important he was to me and, and everyone and oh, how so influential his life had been and his art yeah. and just what an amazing man I thought he, he was. And uh, Michael Golden was with me, too, and Michael got to speak to him also. Oh, and man. Uh, he passed away shortly after that. But I am grateful, you know, that I got to uh, say that to him because other yeah. people have passed away in my life that I have not been able to do that to or with. Including I have my unfortunately know McNamee and some other people. Yeah. Yeah, I unfortunately know that feeling, and it's it's not fun to carry it with. And it's it's great that you're able to do that. No, I, yeah, I wish I had been able to say that to Doc before he died, and. And people like Connie Penny and and some other people that I've mentioned in this interview. So, any of you guys out there that you know hear this that I've I've mentioned, just know that you were important to me and and special to me, and you've shaped my life in some way. That's awesome. You know. Hey, you you just sold a book. <laughs> hey, you did. Johnny I just, literally that. I just went that and book. bought that book as you're talking about it. He was like, this is so amazing. I'm buying it right now. Aww, <laughs> I have to see you. this. I have to read this. Thank you. I'll get to autograph it for you someday if, if you want me to, uh, to mar it in that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time Absolutely. Book, he was happy. So I, I like to think that uh, yeah, every time someone uh, buys that book, Nick is smiling in heaven somewhere, you know? There you go. Well... <laughs> Renee, we've been on for two hours. Can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. No, I can't. You guys are yeah. so much fun to talk oh, to. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> you've had an amazing That's crazy. path getting getting to where you're at today. I, I th- These are the kind of stories that I live to listen to. Oh. So well, I, I really you. appreciate you, you coming on. I about and remember a lot of. A lot of things that have, have made me smile. So oh, I, I appreciate the questions you've asked. You've asked yeah. some really good questions. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I, um, yeah, the I, number, I, one, I the number one rule of journalism, never ask a question that can be answered with a yes or a no. And you guys excelled <laughs> yep. at that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. You just kind of gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Well, hey. You know, when you have stuff going on, come back on. Let's let's have some more talks. Let's do some more things together because, um, yeah, man, you're easy to talk with and you're a hoot. So I would love to have you back uh, on. I would love to. I'd love to be back on anytime. Yeah. So, all right. Renee, thank you so much. You have a good night. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Ready. Bye-bye. So, you know, this is like the second or third time in this podcast career that we've ended up talking about Jackie Chan for a good section of the podcast. Yeah, you know, the funny time is the first, I don't know if it was the first time that Jackie Chan's names come up on the podcast, but the last time was with Mark Rolston, who did the voiceover for Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, yeah. And also on, um, when I talked with, uh, uh, um, 
McArdle about Fear and the Tramp. We have, we spent like 15 minutes talking about Jackie Chan movies. And then now with Renee, we talked about Jackie Chan even more. So I feel like it's destined that we have to have Jackie Chan come on the show. I was just going to say the same thing. I like <laughs> we really need to try to get Jackie Chan right. on. <laughs> We're summoning him so, to the show. So. Something is telling us, go Jackie Chan. Yeah. Go, 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 Jackie Chan, go, go. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I like it, though. I like it, though. I, I, would love, I, did, I would love to have Jackie Chan come on the show and talk because I love oh, his movies. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, man. Rumble in the Bronx. I saw that in the theater. <laughs> yeah, right. I did not see in theater, but I saw Police I saw story. Operation Condor in the oh. theater. Yeah, Op- Operation Condor. Oh, yep. God, so many great movies, man. I mean, there's so many to list. I have a really creepy story about that movie that I'll tell you on, on the next talk, okay? Okay, there you go. I, I don't want to say it here because it's not appropriate for this episode. But Renee, how cool Dude. has her career been? Her stories and her career are just amazing. All the stuff that she, you know, worked with, all the creators she worked with, all the the stuff she wrote, working, with Jackie, working Chan, with Jackie Chan, all, all of that. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I loved chatting with her. I I don't think I was ready for that amount of information. You know? I was not at all, and it was awesome. Well, yeah, just and I don't mean that like I you know I wasn't ready for that amount of information like like. In a bad way, right. I wasn't ready to, for her to be that influential and to have that many things going on, and just to be so like likable, you know, and to go over everything and be just oh, like an she was an open book. She was yeah. great. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was great. I, I, I look forward to one seeing what she does in the future. Talking to her on again and having her yeah and having her come back on again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, there you guys go. Hey, special thanks to. To Renee and the uh, Eva Inc. Artist Group and the pros and cons celebrity booking for all the stuff that they have been doing for us. We really, really appreciate your guys' services. Yeah, we 100% do. It's it's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed making it. Yeah. And if you love hearing interviews from people from all over the world and all over the all walks of life, then hit us back up on spoilerverse.com and check out that back catalog because there's a ton to go through. And one of the coolest things right now is there is no paywall. So no. you can just sit and enjoy all, what, 330 episodes? 335 episodes, yeah. Insane. Yeah, and, and growing. By the time you hear this one, there'll be more. Yeah, so, it's so much. <laughs> yeah, it grows every day. There's well over 300 hours of entertainment to listen to. And plus, not only is Spoiler Country there, but you have Bridging the Geekdom and Shooting the Sith and Misery Point Radio and the Gunslinger Narratives and... It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, there's just there's so many. You got, you got Nerds in the Crypt coming on soon too, which is a really good horror podcast. And yeah, there's just there's just so much content there, and it's all all, all free. All we ask you to do is go there and, and listen and then subscribe if you like it. And really, if you do like what you're hearing, you know, you do want to like if you think, oh hey, I love this. I want to help these people keep going. Yep. Hit up our T Fox store and buy a T-shirt or a hoodie or a sticker or a mask or a mug or something. Anything you buy, you know, we get a little bit of it, and it helps us, you know, keep the lights on here, and it's great. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. You know, with, with the content will always keep coming out, no paywall, and you know how to listen to. <laughs> but if you can, can do that, it'd be awesome for you to go and, you know, buy a t-shirt and wear it around. And someone asks you about it, say, like, yeah, this is the coolest podcast, or the coolest website you'll ever go to. You need to go there. Coolest podcast ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> hey, if you want to take it one step further, open up that podcatcher on your smartphone, do a search for Spoiler Country. And subscribe, and you'll get the newest episodes as they come out. And then also, if you want to take it one step further, go to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you like to listen to pod- to podcasts, and uh, give us a review and share us out. It tremendously helps. It really does. Yeah, and it helps in two ways. It tells us one what you think of the show, and two, it helps other people find the show. So it's definitely worth your time doing it if you care if you care about us at all. Yep. And uh, there you guys go. There you go. That's a show. That is a show. Don't forget. And an ocean's a podcast. We are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more. Oh, man.
I was, I was not, not expecting, expecting that. that for two hours. That was no. cool. <laughs> she was cool though. She was great. I mean, I mean, you get to a point where you're like, okay, man, I got to move on to the next thing. But <laughs> dude, for all the stories and all the thunk, fucking a man, <laughs> fucking a, a is right. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I was not expecting that much of a, like, dude, you go to a Wikipedia page, dude, I had a freaking really dig down to find shit. Oh, you know? Yeah, I know. I looked at it too. I was like, there's nothing there. But then she talks like, how is this not on some blog page or something? This is interesting stuff. Oh my God. She's been, she's done so much. She's done so much. She's worked yeah. with so many people. And I love the fact yeah. that she was like, oh my get- God, you asked the right questions. <laughs> I was like, right? yeah. It makes you feel good. <laughs> I, uh, I'm excited to get that book on Friday because that book looks awesome. And I'm all dude. about, I'm all about World War II stuff anyways. Oh, dude. I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, you know? I was like, that was amazing. And I knew that she had strong feelings for that guy. Um, just, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause she got to be there at the, near the end, but then do this yeah. with him, you know? And Nick Cardi is fucking a legend, man. Yeah. I bought the, uh, I bought the Titan version. Cause I wanted the big, the big copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, no, I want so. the one that he did, you know, hers is well, like, I was going to buy it.